So while you're standing, would you go with me to the book of Luke, chapter 6? The book of Luke, chapter 6, in the New Testament. We're glad that you joined us this morning, those that are watching online. We're glad that you're tuning in. Hopefully you don't have a split screen, it's just one, and it's, and it's Impact City Church. Uh, Luke chapter 6, verse, verses 43 through 45. So a few verses only. I'm going to be reading from the NIV version, Luke chapter 6, verse 43 uh, up to 45. And it reads like this, No good tree bears bad fruit, nor does a bad tree bear good fruit. Each tree is recognized by its own fruit. People do not pick figs from thorn bushes or grapes from briars. A good man brings good things out of the good stored up in his heart. And an evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in his heart. For the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. For the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. Lord, we thank you for this morning. We thank you for this privilege, Lord, to come into this place, Lord, and hear your word, Lord, and just be refreshed, Lord, and strengthened in your presence. Lord, we ask you that you would speak to us, that you would speak through us this morning. In Jesus' name we pray, amen and amen. You may be seated in the house this morning. I'm going to read it again. No good tree bears bad fruit, nor does a bad tree bear good fruit. Each tree is recognized by its own fruit. People do not pick uh, pick figs from thorn bushes or grapes from briars. A good man brings good things out of the good stored up in his heart, and an evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in his heart. For the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. So real quick, we're going to come out swinging this morning, so I hope you're ready. So just some background on this passage real quick is this is right after the Beatitudes that Jesus shares, not with the multitudes, Okay, not just with everybody, but he shares the multitudes with his disciples, his true followers. And these particular verses that we just read are Jesus still talking to his disciples. Not everybody, not the crowds, right, that have gathered, but the followers of Jesus. And, and that is important to know because if we are truly true followers of Jesus and we have a responsibility... I know that's a, it's a bad word for some of us. It's a responsibility to bear not just any kind of fruit, but good, good fruit. However, the good fruit is a result of good roots. Good roots, good fruit. Good roots, good fruit. Bad root, bad fruit. Bad roots, Bad fruits. So roots, though, take time to grow and they take time to develop. Before the tree begins to produce, the roots need to be established. The roots need to be established and, and, settled, and settled in. Before there can be growth, we have to be grounded. Are you with me this morning? Before there can be growth, we have to be grounded. Before the harvest... Hear me, before the harvest comes the hiding. Before the harvest comes the hiding. There is a, a hiding period in the life of Jesus that we do not know of. And it, and it happens between the age of 12 and 30. When Jesus appears again and is baptized by his cousin John the Baptist, he is about 30. 
years young, which would be according to the rabbinical school, the exact age a student would become a rabbi. 18 years that we do not know of, that we don't find in scripture. But in those 18 years, the living word, Jesus, the living word, Jesus, was eating the written word, the Torah. In those 18 years, the living word was eating the written word, the Torah. For 18 years, Jesus is being filled with the, the words of his father. He is being established. He is being grounded. He is being settled in. He is in hiding for 18 years. But the good news is the hiding was just temporary. So let me pause right here and tell someone the hiding is just temporary. The hiding is just temporary. I know you feel overlooked. I know you feel like there's no more opportunities coming your way anytime soon. I know you feel like the chaos around you has covered you like the dirt covers a planted seed. I know you've become an afterthought to those that you called friends, but I have some good news for you today. The hiding is just temporary. The hiding is just temporary. So Jesus for 18 years is hiding the living word was intaking the written word. It is God's written word. It's, it's living letters. It's living letters. What we have, the 66 books, it is living letters. It's the Bible. It's the B-I-B-L-E. Yes, that's the book for, no, for you, not for, for, for you. Basic instructions before leaving earth. We've heard that, right? Basic instructions before leaving earth, the B-I-B-L-E. We were created in the mind of God, formed by the hands of God, sustained though, sustained by the breath of God. See, these are not just letters penned from men that existed years ago, but these scriptures are breathed upon by God. It is our manual for life, and yet this book is controversial to so many. History itself reminds us that this book has been the target of destruction by leaders galore. There does not exist a book that has stood the test of time like this book. There does not exist a book that has endured the kingship, kingships and reign of madmen throughout history. There does not exist a book that has been hated more than this book. There does not exist a book that has been banned as many times as this book has, and yet it still stands. <laughs> On multiple occasions, they thought that all the copies of scriptures had been burned to ashes only to find out that there were some people that had memorized enough scripture that they themselves started writing it by hand. See, the difference was with these people, not only did they have their Bibles around them, they had the holy scriptures inside of, of them. The great thing about having living letters not just printed letters, but living letters, is that we don't have to try to figure things out all by ourselves. But we have examples, and we, have, and we can have counsel so that we don't repeat what others have done before. But the word can't just be around you. It's got to be inside of you. 
So think of Jesus, right? In fact, the four Gospels that are Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, they'll have phrases like, and you'll read phrases like, and Jesus sat with them, Jesus walked with them, Jesus was near them, Jesus spoke to them. But when we get to the book of Acts, it's no longer Jesus was with them, near them, walked with them, but it was now Jesus was in them through the Holy Spirit. There's a shift that happens. It wasn't enough for them to hang out with Jesus, but they had to understand that the words of Jesus, like a seed, they have to be planted in order for them to give fruit. So what you are filled with, you will eventually overflow with. Amen? Can I buy an amen? <laughs> what you are filled with, you will eventually overflow with. What's inside of you will eventually flow out of you. Let's take a, a practical, natural example. How many of y'all have tried eating Indian food at 11.30 p.m.? Or Mexican food at midnight? You know it's going to mess you up. You know it. But because you're a Mexican and not a Mexican, you go for it anyways, right? <laughs> Fill yourself up with good things and you will overflow with good things. Okay? But in the same manner, fill yourself up with bad things, negative things, and you'll overflow with bad things, negative things. What you're filled with, you will eventually overflow with. So being grounded and being planted, that takes time. Roots take time to be established. The more we intake his word, the healthier the fruit will be. I got to say that again. The more we intake his word, the healthier the fruit will be. See, if Jesus was in hiding for 18 years, intaking, learning, reading the written word, then as true followers of Jesus, then we too must take the time to intake the living letters. Amen. And I'm sorry to remind you what was said last week, but once a week for a few hours, hour and a half is not enough for you and me. There is just too much clutter and distractions around us on a daily basis for us to consider that a few scriptures on a Sunday morning are enough to fill our tank for the rest of the week. It's not going to happen. I remind you, these words in red that we read in the beginning, they are directed to his disciples, to his followers. I was reminded about a story of a young seminary graduate who was seeking to pastor his first church. And one pulpit committee, committee, uh, committee requested an interview. As the student and the committee gathered together, the chairman began the questioning, young man, do you know your Bible? And the young man replied, yes, sir, I know the Bible from front to back. And another asked, do you know the stories and parables? And the candidate answered, oh, yes, I know all the stories and the parables. And another committee member said, tell us one of the parables of Jesus. Then let's say the parable of the Good Samaritan. And so he did. And it went like this. There was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus who went down to Jericho by night and he fell among stony ground. And the thorns rose up and choked him nearly half to death. And he said, what shall I do? Then he said, I shall rise and go to my father's house. And he arose and climbed up into a sycamore tree. The next day Solomon had his wife Gomorrah come by. And they carried him down to the ark for Moses to take care of him. And as he was going through the eastern gate into the ark, he caught his hair in the limb. And he hung there for 40 days and 40 nights. And, and afterwards he hungered. 
departed and the ravens came and fed him. And the next day, the three wise men came and carried him down to Nineveh. And when he got down there, he found Delilah sitting on the wall and he cried, chunk her down, boys. And they said, how many times shall we chunk her down? Until seven times? And he said, nay, but until 70 times seven. So they chunk her down 490 times. Then she burst asunder in the mist and they picked up 12 baskets of her fragments and they asked him, Lord, in the resurrection, whose wife shall she be? <laughs> now it's only funny if you know the scriptures. Some of y'all got busted. <laughs> Someone said, big time. <laughs> and the public committee chairman said, folks, I think we ought to call him. I know he's young, but he sure knows his Bible. <laughs> you got to know your stories. Or sometimes you'll be like me. I start with the verse, and I, I lose it halfway, and I combine another verse, and it's a hybrid verse. And it's like, that's not even the verse. That's not what the scripture says. So you got to know your stories. You got to know your word. You got to know what's written. You got to watch what you intake. How's your intake? Is there even an intake in your spiritual tank? If there is no intake of the scriptures, then when those tough moments come, we panic, don't we? And we look for the answers in a fortune cookie rather than the living letters. We'll look for inspirational quotes instead of promises uh, that God has declared over your life. We need to make time to read so that when you are at a crossroads, when you feel alone, when you feel defeated, when you feel lost, when, when you feel rejected, when you feel angry, you don't panic and putter, but you seek out his promises. You search the living letters. And when you do, experiences in life will allow the Bible to come alive in your life. The experiences in life allow the Bible to come alive in your life. So let me share with you what I mean from a few of my own experiences. And this happened like a few days ago with Zoe. Uh, she has a tablet uh, with some learning games on there and it's like a different, has like different levels and each level has a certain task that needs to be completed before you go on to the, to the next level. Well, it just so happened that I was driving I'm driving and she's in her car seat and her tablet and I guess she couldn't figure out right how to pass that level of that exercise and and the ta that task she could not figure out how to pass that particular test okay stay with me she could not figure out how to pass that particular test so in her little bright mind she came to the conclusion I can't do it by myself I've tried and tried again and I cannot pass this test by myself. So what does she do? She hands the tablet to her mama. She hands her tablet to someone wiser than her. She hands her tablet to someone she knows loves her and will do anything to help her. Your attention, please. She surrenders the test she cannot pass on her own to someone that actually cares about her. And I'm watching this in the mirror, and God is speaking to me, and that's what I need you to do, Israel, her pastor Izzy. Surrender the test that you cannot do alone, that you cannot pass alone. Give me the very thing that is keeping you stuck on that level. 
And John chapter 4 comes to mind, the story of the woman at the well. She could not pass the test by herself. She had taken the same test five times and is taking the same test for the sixth time, but she already knows she cannot pass the test on her own until there is this moment that she surrenders it to Jesus. Until she hands it over to someone that is wiser than her, someone that loves her and is willing to do anything to help her, someone that actually cares about her life. That story doesn't come to my mind if I, hadn't re- if I hadn't read that story over and over and over again. That even though I have read it before and taught from it before, God in his goodness peels off more layers so we can see it on a deeper level. Or what about when I thought I knew it all? Ever been there? When I thought I knew it all and I didn't even need, I didn't need my parents' guidance. Ever been there? or permission to do things ever been there I ended up making some bad decisions that hurt some people that I truly cared about but what hurt me the most as a son what hurt me the most as a son was that I knew I had let my parents down they taught me better and truthfully I knew better I just didn't do better because I knew it all and I remember going home scared afraid because I knew that by now dad knows and mom knows and I didn't want to ask them if they knew I didn't want to talk about it I just wanted to go to my room and go to sleep and hope that it was all a dream and when I wake up tomorrow everything is a-okay but I could not let it go I could not let the day in without having that conversation with them so I remember going into the room and with so much shame and guilt and remorse, I walked in with my head down. The whole time I'm having this conversation with him, my face was tilted to the ground because I felt like I was not worthy to even look at them. I knew I let them down and that they were disappointed in me. And after what felt like forever, my dad stands up and walks to his broken prodigal son. And he says, look, Look at me. And I couldn't look at him. The shame for me was too heavy for me to lift my head. And again, he told me, look at me, mirame. And again, I couldn't, but this time I told him, I can't. And the next thing he did marked me to this day. He put his calloused, rough hands under my chin, and he lifted my head until my eyes met his eyes. And he said the following thing. You will always be my son, and I will always love you. And I went to my room that night, and as I got ready to go to sleep, this verse comes to mind, and it wrecks me. When David saw it, says in Psalms chapter 3, you are the lifter of my head. What had just happened in that moment was God lifting my head from my shame, from my mistakes, using my dad to do so because I couldn't do it. When I couldn't lift my head, he became, he became the lifter of my head. That verse 
doesn't come to my mind if I haven't read it over and over and over and over again. And in that moment, it wasn't something that I just read in this controversial book, but it came alive for me in that moment. These are living letters from a divine, eternal being that loves you more than you and I could ever phantom. And it speaks to you and it speaks to me if we let it. There was a survey done a few years ago of, of why people don't read the scriptures. And the top four was number four, it's not interesting. Number three is I forget. Number two, I don't understand it. And obviously the number one, you know it because you probably use it too. I'm too busy. I'm too busy. And we can all relate to one of those excuses, can't we? But as followers of Jesus that we all are, we can't go on living and not knowing his word. Listen, even Jesus studied the word. And at the age of 12, he's quoting holy scriptures. And in many occasions, Jesus would use the words, as it is written, as it is written. He was able to do so because he knew what the word was saying. So there are benefits of studying the living letters if you go with me to Psalms, or it should be on the screen, Psalms chapter 19, verse 7 through 7 and 8, Psalms 19, 7 and 8, says, The law of the Lord is perfect, converting the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The statues of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. So number one, real quick, based off of those scriptures, number one, it transforms you. And as we begin to acquire a taste for the scriptures, you're going to begin to notice a change in your life. Why? Because these letters are living and powerful, Hebrews 4.12. They are God-inspired. Throughout the ages, this book has stood the test of time, even when they were trying to delete its existence. Why does this book cause so much controversy? Because it works <laughs> because it does indeed change lives, because it has changed my life and it has changed your life. Those are the things we don't need to read about because we've experienced it ourselves or you know somebody in your household that has experienced that. For us, it was our parents who, who grew up Catholic and they were converted to Christianity. And my dad says that day that he got baptized, he, it, wasn't, it wasn't planned, he wasn't planning on, on, uh, on being baptized that day. In fact, he even uh, recalls that he had the, a pack of marble on, in, his, in his shirt pocket that he forgot to take it out when he was about to be baptized and even the cigarettes got baptized. <laughs> and he, here's the crazy part, he never had the desire to smoke again. <laughs> or drink again. <laughs> now we're not going to baptize cigarettes and all that stuff okay just want to throw that out there we'll baptize you the rest you got to work it out <laughs> but this, the, this word we've seen it work in people's lives it works in people's lives number two it gives you wisdom apostle john says when the spirit comes he shall guide you into all truth let me say it this way, the Bible might not provide for you the complete game plan for your life, all the details, but it does give you a blueprint. It gives us a starting point, okay? Genesis 1-1, the starting point is in the beginning. 
In the beginning. That's the starting point of it all. In the beginning, God. Number three, it brings joy. There is something to be said about letters that come to life. Have you ever received a heartfelt letter from someone, and as you're reading whatever they sent you, you're smiling while you're reading it? The contents of that letter brought you joy. It brought you happiness in that moment. So think, how much more joy will you and I receive when we read the living letters of God? Take some time to read the letters. Because I know I'm not the only one, but as you do, you have these moments where whatever you're reading at that moment, it's like God is speaking to you directly. And it's no longer some guy on a platform reading you the scriptures, but it's almost as if God is sitting across from you and he's telling you in person what you need to know. You'll find it in the living letters. And if you don't want to read, it's an audio format. Just no excuses. It dispels, number four, it dispels the darkness. So I'm going to recall to your, I'm going to, uh, I'm going to, we'll just continue. How many of us, (laughs) when after I say this, oh, I think I knew what he was trying to say. How many of us remember walking in our homes in complete darkness trying to get to the light switch? You didn't want to wake up the parents because you're supposed to be asleep, but you're not. And so you slow walk your way to the switch, right? With arms stretched out, feeling your way through the house. Stay with me. You're feeling your way through the house. Even though you see the house every single day and you know where things are, when there is no light, you begin to depend on other things to help you get to where you want to go. Are you with me? So apply that to the spiritual. We know where to go when we find ourselves in a rut. We know where things are. But when there is no light in our lives, we begin to depend on other things to help us get to where we want to go. And more often than not, those things we depend on aren't the best things for you, for me, for us. And in closing, Psalms 119.105 says, Your word is a lamp to my feet, a light to my my path. Living letters. What you are filled with, you will eventually overflow with. Life is so much sweeter with Jesus in it. Life is so much sweeter with Jesus in it. In fact, there was this custom in the times of Jesus for students studying the Torah that the rabbi would pass out some honey uh, before the beginning of each class. And they would put, the rabbi would walk by and put honey on their slates on what they would take notes on. And then the rabbi would begin to quote Psalms 119.103. As he quoted this passage, this verse, the students studying the Torah, the written word of God, they would begin to eat the honey off of their slate. And this is the verse, Psalms 119.103. How sweet are your words unto my taste. Yes, sweeter than honey 
to my mouth. <laughs> Can you imagine right before the rabbi is about to teach, he says this, how sweet are your words. Well, we're about to read. How sweet are your words to me, to my taste. Sweeter than honey to my mouth. I know that some of us, when we read the scriptures, we feel judged. We feel condemned already. Like there's nothing there that can help me right now because all I read is judgment, judgment, judgment. But it's when you step into a moment with Jesus that it may look like judgment. It may look like a sacrifice. But in those same living letters, you'll find a promise. You'll find a second chance. you'll find Jesus coming to you in the middle of nowhere and saying, draw of the well that never runs dry. If you drink this water, you will never thirst again. See, the Bible, the scripture says that the word, the Bible is like a mirror. And we hate mirrors, don't we? There's a few that love them, but for the rest of us that are normal, we can't stand being in a mirror for long periods of time. Why? Because we automatically see all the defects, everything we wish we could change. And when we read the word, the holy scriptures, the living letters, we see that it doesn't matter how many good things we have done, we are still sinless, sinful in the eyes of Jesus. Oh, wretched man that I am. See, it's not about measuring ourselves with one another. It doesn't work like that. We do that. We do that. But the word is not a measuring tape. It's a mirror. Because I could stand up here. God, I don't know why you're taking me here. Because I can compare myself to you and say, well, you know what? If I had a measuring tape and I had someone here that has had a bad history and you knew their history. 
And I could say, well, you know what, Lord, I'm better than him because you know what? I've never gotten drunk in my life. And the measuring stick goes up. A woohoo for me. You know what? I've never smoked in my life. There goes the measuring stick higher. Woohoo for me. God, I don't know what it is to go into a club. The measuring stick goes higher for me. Woohoo for me. And I can go on and on and list the things that I've never done that maybe someone else has done. But the Bible is not a measuring stick. It's a mirror. And if I stand before the mirror and the other man stands before a mirror, I just see a wretched man that needs Jesus. And he stands in front of the mirror and sees a wretched man that needs Jesus. <laughs> because though my, my failings may not be the same, I can assure you as a human being, I have my failings. The Bible is not a measuring stick to measure us up with one another, it's a mirror. Oh, how sweet are your words unto my taste, sweeter than honey to my mouth. You want your life to be a little sweeter? Search the living, the living letters. Make time. Don't be in a rush that you miss those beautiful moments that can change your life. Maybe it's waking up 10 minutes earlier, put some Christian or godly music while you're getting ready, read the daily verse on your phone before leaving, bless your kids, your spouse. Don't ever be too in a rush that you forget to speak blessings over your kids, over your spouse, over your family. Don't let your life be so mechanical, so mundane, so routine that you miss those beautiful moments. Search the living letters. Good roots, good fruit, good roots, good fruit. No good tree, Jesus says, bears bad fruit. Nor does a bad tree bear good fruit. Each tree is recognized by its own fruit. People do not pick figs from thorn bushes or grapes from briars. A good man brings good things out of the good stored up in his heart. And an evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in his heart. For the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. For the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. I wonder this morning, this morning, what your heart is full of. And David's, I'm going to finish here. In David's life, his life was full of worship. It was full of worship. But let me say this. The worship that counts is the worship that cost you something. The worship that counts is the worship that cost you something. I like the way it sounds in Spanish. La adoración que cuenta es la adoración que te cuesta. The worship that counts is the worship that cost you something. There is this moment where Dave, King Saul is having these, uh, his distress with these spirits and he asked for someone to come and soothe those spirits. And so they, they recommend David when he plays. There's just something uh, that happens when David is playing the harp. There's an anointing in David's musicianship that when he plays, it just changes the environment and changes the atmosphere. And so they bring David with his harp. 
And he begins to play in front of King Saul, who is battling these distressing spirits. And when David begins to play, says the soothing presence. There was a soothing presence in that place. Something happened in that moment. It was because the worship that David was giving it cost him something. He played the harp. In those days, the way the harp strings were made, it came out from a certain animal. David was a shepherd. He took care of sheep. Guess where those, what animal it was that those heartstrings were made out of? The intestines of sheep. Stay with me. Something had to die in order for David to give God some worship. Imagine David, the one who, who put his life for the wolf and the bear, the sheep that he cared for, he would risk his life for. Imagine him playing the harp and knowing a certain sheep had to die so that he could be able to offer God the worship in that moment. It cost him something. It cost him a sheep that he loved, that he cared for for many years. Who knows? But that worship in that moment, it cost David something. And God honored it. I just want to tell you that the worship that matters most, that counts the most, is the worship that, that costs you something. But when you are willing to pay the price, there will be an, such an anointing in your life around you. You'll notice the difference. People around you will notice the difference. There's just something peaceful around you. There's just something that draws me to you. Like people are drawing to a tree that has good fruit. They can come into a tree and pick off of the fruit and be able to have something to sustain themselves. We are those trees. And I hope that people, when people draw to you, that the fruit they're picking is good fruit. But to have good fruit, you have to have good roots. And we have to be established in his word, in his word. So Lord Jesus, we thank you this morning. We thank you for the living letters, Lord. Thank you for the love letter you left to humanity, God. That you truly answer all our questions, Lord, in this book. We just have to search it. We have to carve out a little bit of time in our day, God, our busy day just search your scriptures and when we go through moments in life the hills the valleys the ups and downs and all arounds of life god you'll recall you'll bring to memory a passage a story a parable and you give us those lessons those life lessons lord you'll download personally into our lives what you're saying to us god and although us as leaders, we, we love doing what we do, Lord, and sharing the word, but there is nothing like having a one-on-one -on -one teacher, Lord, that while we're on our way to work or at work or at home, Lord, before the day ends, that you just speak to us, that you download, Lord, a lesson into our lives, into our spirit that we can grasp and, and take a hold of, Lord, and put into practice. So I thank you, Lord, for these letters. That though the enemy has tried over centuries, Lord, to extinguish the existence of it, Lord, it still stands. And because of it, we are here. We are a byproduct, Lord. We are a byproduct 
of the scriptures having power and being fully alive. That our lives are changed and our kids' lives are being changed, Lord. So we thank you for that. And I just ask, Lord God, that you would put in us the desire to seek your word. That's it. We don't even have to learn the Hebrew or the Greek. Just English will do. But that we will read a psalm or something, God. They would just drop into our spirit. Lord, and in due time when we need it, we know where to get it. Because it's already inside of us. What we are filled with, we will eventually overflow with, Lord. And there are many people around us, God, that are walking around dried up. And we can't even fill them up because we aren't even filled ourselves. So I pray that you would overflow, Lord, in our lives this morning. So tomorrow when we encounter people, God, and they are dehydrated, Lord, that we would be able to offer them the living word. That we would be able to offer them words that are sweeter than honey. In Jesus' name we pray, amen, and amen, and amen. Come on, can we give the Lord some hand praise this morning? Would you stand to your feet this morning? I just wanted to encourage you to make time to read the Bible. I know it's tough. I know it's tough, but it's so worth it. It's so worth it. And I'm not going to guilt trip you into it. The Lord would speak to you in a way that only he can reach you. But I pray that you would give him some space. And maybe, maybe for some of us this morning, we have to, we feel to make a decision this morning. Maybe there's some things that we need to lay down. Like Zoe, I can't pass this test on my own anymore. <laughs> so mama here, dada here. Some of us says, God, I've tried passing this same test. I can't do it on my own. So today, this morning, here at Impact City, at the altar, I surrender it to you. I surrender it to you. So I'm, we're going to give you some space to do that if you need to. We want to pray with you. We want to pray for you. And if you do, if you, even if you have no words to say, that's okay. You coming here, you surrendering, your tears running from your face, that's all we need. God sees all and knows all. And so, Lord, in this moment, God, we ask that you would do the work that only you know how to do, that only you can do, Lord. And we're not going to manipulate people out of fear. We're not going to do that, Lord. Your word says that it is the goodness, the goodness of God that leads men to repentance. And so, Lord, we just stand in your goodness. <laughs> we stand in your goodness, Lord. And we just pray for those people, Lord, that have something to surrender. The test that they've been trying to take over and over again, Lord, that they cannot pass it by themselves. Today, Lord, I pray that you would give them the courage so that they would surrender it to you, Lord. 